Hey, Mona, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Charlie? Well, it's election day here in Wisconsin, and as soon as we're done uh, chatting, I'm going to go put on my raincoat and go out, and I'm going to vote. All right. Excellent. What are the polls showing? I haven't seen any independent polls that are reliable. I just think people have to assume that it's going to be very close. Of course, we're talking about the state Supreme Court election, which is... Boy, it is expensive. It is ugly. It is nasty. It is sort of soul crushing. But, you know, the hype is actually accurate because everything is on the table here in Wisconsin. I mean, all of these things about, you know, abortions on the table, gerrymandering's on the table, that, you know, the presidential election. Yeah, th- that all happens to be true. And it's about one seat on one, one seat. court. I mean, that is really, I mean, the history is so contingent sometimes. And it's, it's scary how much it's sort of a coin flip how things are going to turn out. Well, especially because everything is very close here in Wisconsin. These are two deeply flawed candidates. Mm. I was on Morning Joe yesterday, and Joe was trying to get me to make a prediction. And, you know, the conventional wisdom here is that the liberal candidate, Janet Protasewicz, uh, you know, has an edge. And if she wins, it's going to be this huge victory for liberals. I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen because we've never had an election like this here in Wisconsin. Uh, we don't know what the turnout's going to be. We don't know what $40 million of television (laughs) ads are doing because people on outside of Wisconsin are going to look at this and say, well, it's about gerrymandering. It's about, you know, democracy. It's about abortion. But also it is about crime and, you know, this relentless back to back to back attacks on, you know, light sentencing and everything. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what effect it has, but I I can pre-spin it for you. I can do the punditry either way. (laughs) If Janet Protasewicz wins, it will have been a referendum on abortion. And I think that's true. And I think it's an indication of how toxic this issue is. This is the first straight up or down Supreme Mm. Court election that we've had since the Dobbs ruling. It's also a rejection of election denialism because uh, Dan Kelly, the conservative, was actually on the payroll of the Republican Party and was consulting with them about the uh, the fake elector scheme. Right. And refused to say that Biden was was legitimately elected, right, when asked. Right. Now, if Dan Kelly does pull off the win, which is possible here, there will be a number of factors. You know, number one, the crime issue actually did play. You did have uh, conservative voters who were mobilized. Maybe part of it, you know, will have been a Trump bump, you know, from the indictment turnout. But it will certainly be a warning sign to the the Democrats and, and to liberals that perhaps, you know, putting up a quite overtly progressive candidate was perhaps not the right thing for the moment. But again, we'll see because this, it's safe to say that whatever happens, it's going to be overanalyzed. Mm. And I'm there for it. I absolutely am, am there for it. But Wisconsin, you know, will continue to be as polarized as it has been, if not more so. Yep. Because we're going to wake up tomorrow and half the people in the state are going to think that the new Supreme Court justice is a liar, a crook, and a oh. cheat, and uh, whatever, because Gosh. it's just so, ne- it's been so negative. <sighs> oh, so. Well. And the Chicago mayor's election is also, I'm fascinated by yeah. that. I mean, you want to talk about two different views of the Democratic Party future yeah. on crime, on education. You have, a, again, a very strong progressive against a much more centrist candidate. And um, I think people are going to read a lot into that result as well. You know, Charlie, if you and I had been talking, say, 15 years ago about the complexion of the two political parties, Well, I know I would never have said, and I'm curious about what you think, I would never have said 
that the Democratic Party had a lot more ideological diversity within it than the Republican Party. I would have said the opposite. I would have said the Democrats are, you know, down the line. They, I don't even think the word progressive was used that much then, but they liberals and you have to be super liberal. And you, for example, you can't be pro-life and be in the Democratic Party and on and on. And I would have thought, and I would have said that the Republicans were, um, you know, much more diverse and different views. And now I have to say it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Right. I mean, the Democratic Party has all of this diversity of viewpoints ranging from center, you know, which is one mayoral candidate and all the way over to progressive. Whereas the Republicans are uh, pretty much, well, a uh, dumpster fire. Well, there is a a good deal of diversity in the Republican Party uh, over the question of who do you want to punch in the nose? I mean, you know, the people who, who, you know, want to punch uh, Walt Disney in the nose versus people who want to punch Democratic prosecutors in the nose. And people who want to do it with their high heels. That's right, because we kick harder in heels or whatever. I haven't heard that in a while. We can't spend too much time talking about the uh, Trump surrender circus uh, in New York, because by the time this comes out, uh, you know, everybody will, will have seen it. Yeah. But you had a great piece in the bulwark today. Let me read you the first paragraph, which you wrote. You hear it said in responsible quarters of the right, the Democrats are undermining the rule of law by handing up an indictment of Donald Trump. Sure, they acknowledge Trump has done terrible things. But by bringing this case, Democrats are twisting the law to get at one particular defendant, and that's not the way things should work. Further, they argue, Democrats are inviting retaliatory lawsuits in the future and setting America on the path to banana republic status. These abuses, they argue, are just as dangerous or perhaps more dangerous than what Republicans are saying and doing in Trump's defense, I beg to differ, you wrote. (laughs) Why do you beg to differ, Mona? (laughs) Yeah. And then I go through the reasons that I think you can criticize the Bragg case, again, with the caveat that Mm. we don't know what the charges are, and you know, maybe Mm. it's different. But if it is, as reported, a misdemeanor count of filing false business records that is yoked to a larger, you know, federal crime of campaign finance violations in order to make it into a felony. You know, there are a lot of problems with that. There are statute of limitations issues here. There are all kinds of problems with this case. And I acknowledge all of that, but those are not abuses of the law. I mean, there was a crime and there is an attempt to prosecute the crime. The defendant will be given his day in court. He will have, you know, arguably he'll be getting a better treatment than most defendants. So there is nothing that violates the spirit of the laws in what Bragg is doing. It may be unwise, which is something else that I argue as a prudential matter, but it is not violative of our respect for the courts. On the other hand, <laughs> the the Republican Party, both office holders and the clack on Fox News, are completely trashing the rule of law. You've got Tucker Carlson, well, of course, Trump himself and his abusive uh, comments about the judge and about the whole system, which you and I talked about last week or the week before. That is what Republicans are signing on to. And then you've got people like Tucker Carlson saying, not a good time to get rid of your AR-15s. Yeah, what is that? (sighs) Wow. And then you have one Republican after another saying that this is a travesty, that this is a kangaroo court, that this is a uh, an abuse of the system, and so on and so forth. 
you know, it is they who are undermining the rule of law here, not so much the Democrats. Well, as you point out, they're also dipping automatically into this extremist incendiary vocabulary that they've learned from Trump. So you have defund the FBI from Marjorie Taylor Greene, impeach Merrick Garland from Josh Hawley. What a freaking hack. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today.